Hey, what's happening? You're tuned to that Upper Left Life. I'm Randy. I live here in Spokane, Washington. And every other Monday, I have conversations with my friends about music, movies, food, and of course, the sights in and around the Pacific Northwest. You know, the 315. Rachel Borja. Today we're talking with Rachel Borja. She is from Saipan, which is a small island by Guam, where I was born. And the crazy thing about it is, I didn't even know, like, other, like, it's, I don't know what it is, but I was just, like, ignorant to the fact that um, Saipanese people would even come to the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> No, not really. I was though. Um, I was though, like freaked out that you had to take a plane from Guam to Saipan, and that was another story. But I thought you always had to take a boat because it was so close, right? Why would you take a plane? It's only like fifteen minutes. <laughs> really, they're that close? It's like thirty-minute flight, maybe it's less, close. a little it's less. less. I thought yeah. it was less. It depends on what kind of plane you take. So the question was, so I've worked with Rachel for a while. I think how many years have we worked together? About five years. Five years. And so with five years, it, it's weird because I worked with her at David Evans, and then I worked with her here at the Valley. But my, our, our question was, how the heck did somebody from Saipan decide to come to go to school in Gonzaga in the Pacific Northwest, where you could have went to other big schools all across the U.S., or the world, right, and, and study um, what, what you studied for, which is traffic engineering. So question one, how the heck did you decide, why would you decide to come to Spokane? So I was lucky because um, I got to go to college in the States. Not everyone is lucky enough to do that, to get higher education. So probably in my graduating class of 200 maybe, only 20 people came out and was able to go to. Some people stay and there's like a community college that you can go to, but I knew I wanted to do engineering and my sisters were out here in the States. So I applied to 12, I think 12 different colleges from Washington, Oregon, California, Colorado, New Mexico, Illinois, Wisconsin, Virginia. I tried to do from West to East Coast. And then it basically chose Gonzaga just because of the amount of scholarship that I got from a Jesuit school. So that's how I ended up here. So the money is what? Yeah. Money, 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 money yeah. talks. Good. So the financial package. So with that financial package, though, it gives you, so what is, what's the, what's the rub? I mean, if you get all that money, then what do you got to do? Oh, yeah, this, this fascinated me. You mean the agreement. The agreement. The agreement. Like, that, so they'll give you X amount of dollars. Well, who gives her money, you say? Yeah, who gave you the money? So I got different scholarships. So I got scholarship from Gonzaga, I guess maybe being a minority or something for their numbers. A minority woman. Yeah. Um, to go to school there, I got federal grants or scholarships. And then I got 
um, scholarship from home, the CNMI is called CNMI Upper Education Financial Assistant or something like that. That's the one I was tripping off of. So with that, what's the, so if they give you that money, then what do you got to do? What's the agreement with that? So you sign a memorandum um, and you have to get it notarized that basically says, we'll give you X amount of money um, if you go off for school, but then the agreement is you have to come back and give back to the community. And if you don't, then you have to treat it as a loan. And the money is, um, you know, it can help with housing or paying your books or your meal plan or something like that. So you kind of decide, they give you a check and you decide how you want to spend it, whether that's food or whatever. How much is that check? <laughs> oh, she doesn't have to say. I mean, I'm does not. It, does it, it, vary? it varies. Okay, so it varies so, from person to person then who gets this. this it thing. varies per degree. Oh. So, like my sister who went to law school and me who did engineering would maybe get more than the education degree. So, it depends on how much your degree is needed to give back to the community. So, they have a list of degrees that you can get and then. Based on that degree, this is how much you get. Hmm. So did you want to do engineering? Is that what it is? Yeah. I always knew I wanted to do engineering. Specifically for Gonzaga, you will not get accepted into engineering school unless you apply, apply as some sort of engineering, whether it's civil or undecided engineering. You have to start your freshman year hmm. with engineering. With engineering. You got a question? No, I just, so how long do you have, to, once you go back to Saipan, how long are you required to be there? I mean, I know you could stay for as long as you want, but is there a minimum number of years you have to give back? Yes, I have to do a two-year mandatory service. Well, once I graduated, I kind of had to go back, but then you can write a deferment saying, I want to stay out here in the States to get experience for X amount of years because this is the minimum I need to get for out here, and that's the only best way I can give back to the community. So, how did you know you wanted to be an engineer growing up on the island of Saipan? I don't I, think there's traffic signals there, are there? <laughs> there are traffic there's signals, only, a little bit. There's only huts and, uh, and dirt roads. <laughs> All that. I honestly don't remember what made me choose engineering. I remember I wanted to do something that I could physically, or I don't know, see that I, this is what I've done and this is how the community is using it. Or I also looked at what jobs would pay the most money, to be honest. Well, I mean, with me, it was the same thing. When I first started, I wanted to be an, I wanted to go into architecture. And then I ended up, okay, you know, I, I got in as a civil designer. And I, you know, it was kind of interesting to me because you dig up the road, you don't know what's in the ground. And so you have to problem solve the whole time. And then years later, you look back and you go, man, I had my fingers on this, 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 and this. I mean, it's like you've helped build the city, which is kind of crazy, the, the community around you, which is nice. Uh, of your family and you've, since working with you, you've described how big your family is. Mm -hmm. uh, how many of them are or a percentage, or of all of the grandchildren and all of your cousins and everybody, how many go to a four-year college, or have gone, or will go? That is a good question that 
I'm not entirely sure. Um, so there's about, my mom has 11 siblings, so there's 12 of them. There's 12 boys, 12 girls. I mean, six boys, six girls. And among the grandchildren, there's probably 42 of us. And I think maybe maybe 10% has gotten their four-year degree. Okay. But most of the time, they're, they're, they decide that they're going to stay on the island and work there. Yeah, so um, a lot of... Whatever trades there are that's out there, yeah. Actually, a lot of my cousins now um, live in the States. Oh, okay. And most, there's maybe only 10% of us in Saipan right now. So a lot of um, my cousins who maybe did come out here for the chance of a higher education ended up staying and growing their family here. So I have cousins, like my sister's in North Carolina, and I have cousins varying from North Carolina, Virginia, all the way to California. And do you think that's just because of the opportunities in in the mainland, on the mainland? Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like, my sister, for example, she is now so used to the mainland life where you can go to Target or yeah. you can go shopping at the mall where back home there's no malls and it's kind of just... Well, you have to fly and, to Guam to go to a mall. Yeah. And then, um, and just the fact that they pay less and it's just off-putting to some people. Like, they don't really take into account the the difference in the whole entire cost of living. They just look at their salary and like, no, I'm not going to go back. What's, what's there for me when I'm going to be making... $30,000 less. Yeah, but that's in ratio, though, on, on cost of living, which not a lot of people realize that. It's just, you know, you go to L.A. or whatever like that, and you're making, you know, 100000 plus, but dang, you're your, still your groceries, your, your rents, your mortgage, you know, rent or mortgage, the gas, uh, just everything that you're spending there is that much more. So the ratio, I mean, it's, it's all over. Like, I would rather be in Spokane than I would be in Seattle. Mm-hmm. You know? But I would rather be like, because of, I think the quality of life though, I think is better on like, I remember, you know, Guam or Hawaii even when I lived there, um, just a lifestyle, you're just a little bit more relaxed. You know yeah. what I mean? You're not so stressed out about the, the day to day that we live through now. Even in Spokane, there is a lot more stress compared to where Brad was. That just it reminded me of something when you said that is, you know, a lot of my cousins now, they stay because of the health care and they want to give birth to their children in a good hospital where maybe they won't get us, yeah. I don't know, some other un- underlying medical issue just because the hospital did something wrong. And then they move back home to raise their families because it's a safer cultural place to raise a family. Mm-hmm. There are plus minuses yeah. to living island life. So you'd mentioned earlier your sister was adjusted to main mainland life, and mm-hmm. earlier you told me even though you traveled a bunch, you still had uh, culture shock when you came to the mainland. So what was some of the yeah. culture shock items that <laughs> you dealt with? Yeah, you can go as deep or as like mellow as you want with, uh, with everything. That nobody's, is a good question. Well, one of the big things were, you know, back home in Saipan, everybody is Catholic, or pretty maybe ninety percent of the island is Catholic. There's, it's a twelve mile long island, and there's ten Catholic churches. Like almost for every mile, there's a church. Whoa! And you know, I 
got accepted and I was going to a Jesuit college and then I got there and the person next to me could be, you know, different religion and stuff. So that was kind of a shock. But even, I don't know why, because I, growing up, we did travel like to Japan, to the Philippines, but I guess I was always just, it's a short vacation where you just don't get, like, you don't talk to other people mm-hmm. saying like, oh, what's your religion or, right. you know. And then um, I guess the other one is, you know, growing up, I was surrounded by so many different cultures because in Saipan, you know, you have the native indigenous people in the Chamorros and we speak Chamorro at home, but then mostly English in school. You're required to learn Chamorro from first grade. It's the bilingual class. So hopefully people at least know two or more languages. And then I come to the States and people only know English and then I studied abroad in Italy and the people or I guess Americans actually um, they get mad if you don't know English and I just it blows my mind like you're in another person's country why are you getting mad that they're not speaking English what's what's trippy too is like you want that knowledge and you're like one of the few people that I know that would really want the knowledge of just the language and also the culture. Japanese, like we were talking about Japan, how we love Japan. Uh, Korea, like how you want to marry a, um, a K-pop no. star. <laughs> and that's why you're learning Korean. So it's kind of, <laughs> I'm kidding. But she, you know, you know, Rachel has done things like uh, take a Korean school so that she can learn Korean so that when she does visit Korea, she can actually communicate in Korean. Uh, and, and know the customs and know what's proper, not proper. For us as Americans, when we go to other countries, we expect other countries to go, you know, and, and to be that way. I mean, to, to speak English to us, to treat us like we're American. But if you really want to, and that they really want to treat you like American, they'll treat you like, like dirt, like how you, you know, how they really feel about you. But most of the time they're pretty accommodating and, uh, and and talking English, like like uh, especially where we have military bases, like the Philippines or Guam, a lot of that stuff now too is I mean you're you're really diluting your um, I, I want to say your stock I don't know your 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 culture because you're 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 catering to and and starting to act like um, the people you're catering to instead of being the um, you know being true to your your culture. Yeah. It's crazy. And I don't know if that's why France hates us so much. <laughs> <laughs> we stole their fries. I don't know. Well, I was amazed when you told me, Rachel, and when I read about your grandpa, Japan occupied your island, mm-hmm. Saipan. During World War II. During World War Two. Yeah. And they made you guys do all made the people bow down to them and well, it was all I think a lot of the Micronesia islands were, were um like Guam, um, Saipan, what's the other islands that are uh, up around that area? So there's no hard feelings no. towards Japan anymore? No, I mean, growing. So before I even knew about or was interested about history, I just knew Japan was always like a close culture with us or the tourists were from Japan. My grandpa spoke Japanese. It was just like normal until I got older and I actually read the history and I'm like wow how are they so civil making business deals and other stuff with 
the Japanese when it's like you were in concentration camps and other stuff. Well, so. there's a lot of atrocities that go wow. on in the world that, you know, we're, we're friends with Germany. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, and Germans, I mean, yeah. and it wasn't, and, and, that, and that's a whole thing, though, too, with war and conflict. Things are resolved, mm-hmm. you know, to a point. Yeah. And so the hard feelings, there are definitely hard feelings yeah. in that history. Mm-hmm. But I think moving forward uh, and taking it forward is, is really a good policy. But not to forget the history that caused it, I think, is the best. Mm-hmm. I feel like at the end of the day, it's just it's business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, commerce, for sure. So you need you need you need that uh, economy in, on the island, and mm-hmm. the only way to get it is most of it is tourism. So, so one thing I also had read, you said you're like when, during Japan occupation, your grandfather could only get a, up to a sixth grade education. So yeah. how long was Japan occupying Saipan? I mean, obviously it was was had to been pre World War Two. Yes. Um. So we were occupied by the Spanish or we had the Spanish era for maybe 200 years um, so our language what? and yeah. food is super influenced by the I Spanish mean. like the way we count is uno dos tres cuatro but I know that there's like indigenous way to count which is like hulu fuck but I'm not really sure because mm-hmm. you know it got lost um, and then I think it was the Treaty of Paris if I'm not mistaken or something where the Spanish sold Saipan and the other islands that they couldn't. Of course, they couldn't. Yeah, they sold it to Japan, and from then on till maybe the beginning of World War Two. I think through World War One, it was the Japanese era. Somewhere in between that, there was a German era, and then it was American. It's like we became a U.S. territory. I think in like the territory, 19th. but not, not like Guam. Yeah, so Guam is one hundred percent governed by the United States. The CNMI is a commonwealth where we, the U.S. is in charge of foreign affairs and war stuff. Um, You give and take, like we still own and govern our own lands, but they are kind of in charge of beyond the land. Okay. So, yeah. And use some of the islands as like bombing practices and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that was a whole thing growing up. I Because I was born and raised in, in Guam up until I was four before we moved to the States when my dad joined the Army. And I mean, that I, I just remember, like, even going back to visit, there's a lot of American influence on the island. Um, there was also Chinese, Japanese, because of, you know, the hotels and everything that exists, the shops and stuff. But predominantly, I mean, the reason, I think one of the reasons why Guam became occupied by the Americans like having a base there is because it was a great point of contact right you you have an air force base here that can go and hit you know most um, most other Southeast Asian um, Pacific Islanders uh, islands and territories so so since it was such a part of the military conflict was there anything you had to look out for when you were playing in the jungle (laughs) Yeah, there's like um, grenades and stuff out there in the jungle that, you know, if you if you come across one, just you have to call the historic department or something. They'll come pick it up and put it in a, a bunker or something. Yeah. yeah Guam had it. There's 
if you ever visit Saipan, there's like tanks in the ocean, um, there's last command posts, there's, we have just tourist destinations where it's like there's one suicide cliff where all the Japanese, when the Americans won, they just, with their pride, they just jumped off the cliff and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a 12 mile long island with just a lot of history. Well, Rachel, do you think you're going to stay in Saipan for a while? Day to day, year to year, what's your plans? I mean, you know, when I first got to Spokane, I hated it here. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to move once I graduate. I hate this weather. I hate... I was getting all kinds of sicknesses, strep through everything you can name a I, life. I remember when she was I, at DEA, she almost died. I was being attacked by like <laughs> the viruses out here. And then when, once I graduated, and I guess I became more open-minded, I was more like, I want to try working in the States just to never have the what-if question. And then all of a sudden, five years later, I'm still here. But... I want to go back home, and it has changed so much, even with the nine years that I've been gone. Um, so I don't know, but it's going to be different because back home there's so many cultural, familial obligations that it's a lot. Oh, um, you'll be, you'll have like... I'm so used to being on my own schedule that I don't know how it's going to work out. But, I mean, of course, I always want to go back home. So how did you... How did you get to, like, you spoke about work. How did you get to David Evans? So when I was um, graduating at Gonzaga, I applied for my master's program, and I thought I was going to get my master's degree right away. I applied to University of Illinois Chicago, their engineering master's degree program, and I got accepted. Then I realized, do I want more student loans? Like, is this even going to be worth it? Um, so I said, okay, let me apply to some jobs. And my senior design partner at Gonzaga was interning at DEA. And she told me there was... Danielle. Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> and she told me there was um, a, a job opening for an entry-level engineer. So I just applied. And when I got the offer letter, I was, thought it was like a million bucks because I got offers for jobs in Saipan too, which was starting at 17 or 18 an hour and the DEA job was 27 an hour and I was like mom I'm not coming back home <laughs> I'm gonna make this money out here and pay off my student loans and stuff but and that's where I met you was at David Evans and then obviously you were working for Jeremy who I remember Jeremy when he first started coming to the valley when they were still the old building and he was still uh an EIT so it was kind of nice to to see that and then when I got when I left here and I went to parametrics for a little bit, and then I, you know after a year I went. Actually, it was Jeremy that said, "Why don't you just come over to DEA?" Mm-hmm. Since you know he was still he, he, I was familiar with him, and so I went there, and that's where I met Danielle. And then you popped up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. <laughs> so, and we were like, we've been cube buddies for like the last five years. Yep. Like even now here in the valley, we're like across from each other. So it's. it's I'm already sad. That you're leaving. It's just, you bring a lot of joy to this workplace oh, and thanks. positive attitude well. and fun. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, your parents raised you well. Cause oh, thank you. You, you. I was like, man, you're, you, you're thinking, okay, I should pay off my student loan debt right away. Smart. Yeah. yeah. Well, the one thing that gets me with you is the fact that you are, I, I want to say, already put together, right? Mm -hmm. Financially, uh, career-wise, um, what you have uh, planned for yourself, like travel, uh, those are things that most kids nowadays they're not they're not really in that sink and I don't know if you've grown up too quickly or all of a sudden you know what I mean because how old are you? Uh, twenty six. Twenty six, and so you're already in your career. You've already traveled most you know a lot of the world, and uh, you're learning how many different languages, taking Muay Thai, and then you're planning out like. Planning out events ahead of time is reminds me of my daughter where she just plans the crap out of stuff. I'm like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> but it's like hour to hour planning it out. Here's an Excel spreadsheet of, you know, the restaurants I'm going to go eat when I go yeah. to this place. It's like, okay, that looks familiar to me. Mm -hmm. So I could describe myself as recklessly responsible <laughs> because you know anyone here, anyone here <laughs> sitting with me at this table knows I like to buy things. <laughs> I like to eat out, but I also budget for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. yeah, I mean, yeah. So another thing was she was talking about her her travel fund. So she's got a travel fund and like a fun fund. I mean, this is and I'm ready for retirement stuff going. She's, so she's it's it's pretty interesting. And then now, I mean, what I just want to say, what working in the environment here and then. Did you even work at Saipan at all? Fast food or anything like that? Nothing. No. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> school was. School was like. School was number one. Yeah, because now it's like you're going to be going back, and the job you're going to be going to is what? Um, it's an international company, so I'll still be doing engineering. Um, yeah, I wanted to do. Something that gives me the opportunity to still travel, mm -hmm. potentially. But it's not just that, though. You're doing side hustle stuff, right? You and, oh. your, sister, <laughs> you and your sister want to do, like, properties. Yeah. You want to be a, a Pilates instructor. <laughs> and then if worse comes to worse, you could still work at the... At the funeral home. At uh, the funeral home yeah. or your family's funeral home business. Does. So you have, like, multiple streams of income. And Dean and I talk about that all the time, how important multiple streams income is and you've already got that like settled so it's pretty good it's ambitions right now but it's so there one thing you'd mentioned um earlier to me was only certain people can own land on mm -hmm. saipan so that helps kind of keep the foreign investors out is that the intent to keep prices more reasonable so you can go make all the money yeah so it's super yeah. it's super controversial right now at home because there's some people who are like abolish Article 12, which is our own part where it says you have to have 25% blood quantum in order to own land. Um, some of the local people say it is preventing us for foreign investors and you are preventing us from getting money mm. and our children money or whatever. But the way I see it is, you know, I guess maybe I have a more open mind now that because I've been away from home for so long and traveling like Hawaii and stuff where or here, the Native Americans, you know, they don't really have much that they can say it's 
I guess, they're Not that land. People yeah, they can't afford it anymore. Um, so for me, I think it's still good because you can have up to a 55 year lease. So you can rent, you can lease your land to, you know, Japanese, whoever, for 55 years and just get that passive income the whole time. Yeah. Um, Smart. And I think it's a way to protect the local people because, you know, someone's struggling for money, they'll be like, oh, please buy my land and sell the money for like $12,000 and they don't know how much it's worth. So, mm-hmm. But it's crazy because it's only 12 miles of land yeah. by six, like 46, I mean, what, 46 square miles so and people, yeah. people would just really want to, why are you putting this article out when I need to own land there? Well, I know Hawaii is struggling with that, trying to, the local Hawaiians trying to get their land back, and that's hard to get. Uh, the other thing, too, is Mexico. If you buy a house in Mexico, you're actually just leasing the land for 100 years. The house is yours, and then after 100 years, it's gone, right? I mean, that, that's, that's so the, the, the land then stays with Mexico and not anybody else. Here in the U.S., we're selling our land to China, Canada, whoever comes here and buys land. I don't know how I feel about that. It's gone. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah, yeah. But you see what I'm saying, right? I mean, so that's so that's smart on. I, I think that's smart on uh, the Saipanese people to to make sure that they keep their their land. I mean, Guam's gone, right? Guam's mm-hmm. gone. I mean, there there's this U.S. territory, so it's like I, I guess that goes under the same rules as the U.S. Whoever buys it. But it's, it's also interesting because um, I never thought about this until our coworker Kiko asked me yesterday. So Saipan is a super spiritual, or the Chamorro people are super spiritual. We have so many superstitions and we have witch doctors and other things. When we go into the jungle, we say, which is like, ancestors can i go in the like please don't hurt me because then you can get like possessed or bruises um and he asked me like how is it that you guys are all catholic but then you're super spiritual people and i never even thought about it because it's just normal to me i was like bring it up no i'm not gonna i don't know it's just weird so it's like the things you never think about getting different perspectives from people (laughs) <laughs> it was Spain. Anyways. Yeah, a lot of that stuff, too, when you are uh, a conquered people or, or whatever, your history is erased and then you are replaced by whoever has conquered you, such as the Spanish with the, the Catholic faith. That was the same with the Philippines, with uh, Spain, and then the U.S., because there was, a, well, people don't know, but there was a U.S.-Filipino war after the, the Spaniards war there. And then... Um, uh, you know, and then all the other people that showed up to these islands, you know, it's just whoever was exploring at the time, mm-hmm. Italians, Spanish, Australia. Portuguese, English. Mm-hmm. Well, Australia is actually a slave colony from England, so that's a whole different bit. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Conquered so people. They're, they're, they were the criminals that got sent to an island to die. Yeah. They ended up surviving, and that's a great spot to go surfing. Well, so you got to tell me, market. Rachel, before... We end. What What are some of the things you liked about Spokane or the inlet, the Pacific Northwest? Well, it I hope she says Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it took me a while to kind of find a community here. So other than work, 
I was just watching Netflix all the time. Like I was an extreme binge watcher and I was like, oh, I still hate it here. But um, finally I was like, nope, I'm going to do something. I started going to like hot yoga and Pilates and Muay Thai. And that's kind of how I found my community Mm -hmm. in Spokane. Mm -hmm. So I like the people here are super welcoming or at least the fitness community here. I don't know. Um, But and then I started, um, you know, after I made friends with these people, they're like, oh, you should come kayaking with us or other things. And then I yeah. realized, oh, yeah, the lakes and rivers are actually pretty cool. I used to be scared of them. I was oh. like, I was a super ocean person, like the warmth. And I dip my toes in the lake and I'm just frozen. My heart stops. <laughs> so just glass. No, yeah. Like out of this lake. Yeah. Thank you for representing your people. Like that, I never knew Chamorro people existed, and so it's like, okay, if they're like you, Rachel, then I love the Chamorro people. Like, <laughs> you're so ki- just kind and nice, and yeah, it's good. Balance house balances out Randy's death and decay. <laughs> hey, yes. When you get older, you'll feel it. But that you are. that also reminds me of you know. People here always say, oh, I didn't know it was a U.S. territory or, um, you know, oh, are you guys American citizens? But people back home, too, because we're just so far away from America. Where when I was in high school and my teachers, like my U.S. history teacher was this, this white guy, the the local people would be like, oh, you American? And he's like, you know, you're American, too. It's like they forget too like yeah we're u.s citizens now everyone has the chance to get off the island so they don't have a passport to say yeah you're american so i guess they don't really calibrate in their mind that they are american so it kind of goes both ways yeah Yeah. that's interesting that is an interesting deal though too where people do forget that they're part of and that was the whole thing with saipan though now you've got the backing because of because of the war and everything Mm -hmm. like that that's why you have the backing of the u.s to help you outside of your borders back yeah. on the island. So. Very cool. Well, I'm glad you got the chance to talk with us today because, I mean, you know, we've done this podcast for a while. You, you've listened to the podcast. And we just wanted to thank you for doing this and also just really thank you for just being friends with us. Yeah, being friends. <laughs> of course. So we appreciate that. And, and, and you know, Ryan is her direct boss. Oh, so. Jeremy, but yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I need the two of you guys. Yeah. He's a mentor to oh, me. Thank you. Nice. So, mm-hmm. It's a very good deal. So this is it. This is Randy Badano. Aaron Clary. Ryan Kibb. And Rachel Borja. And you've been listening to Upper Left Line. <laughs>